Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. In today's show, we're back in the Australian Classics Book Club. The Aussie Classics Book Club is a monthly exploration of the books that have made Australia's literary landscape. Today's book club features Wayne McCauley. Wayne's work includes Blueprints for a Barbed Wire Canoe, the 2017 Miles Franklin listed some tests, Demons, and his latest, Simpson Returns. And together, Wayne and I will be discussing Gerald Manane's The Plains. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and I acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ongoing connection to the land, land that was never ceded. Final Draft explores the best of Australia's books, writing and literary culture. And in the Australian Classics Book Club, we look back to learn more about that culture and how it influences our reading and the shape of our literature today. The Great Conversations podcast is a chance to hear more of these discussions. Dive deeper into these books that you love. The Plains opens on an unnamed narrator, arriving on the Plains with the intention of making a film that will show these Plains as they have never been seen before. Haunting the local pub, talking with Plainsmen about their world, our narrator seeks the patronage and influence that will allow him to realise his epic project. Later, in the library of his benefactor, a Plains landowner, we enter the world of his creative process and confront the strange realities that make up Plains life. Grab your copy and a glass of your favourite tipple and join Wayne McCauley and I as we discuss Gerald Manane's The Plains. My name is Andrew Popel. If you have been watching the calendar, you know that as the end of the month approaches, it is time for the Australian Classics Book Club, an opportunity to uh, to look back, to discover a book that you haven't read for a while, maybe discover a book that you've always been meaning to read. Now, before I introduce today's offering in the club... I would like to introduce my guest. I am joined on the line from Melbourne by Wayne McCauley. Wayne's many and celebrated books include his 2004 debut, Blueprints for a Barbed Wire Canoe, the 2017 Miles Franklin listed Some Tests. Keen listeners may recall Wayne and I spoke in 2014 around the release of Demons, and his latest book is Simpson Returns. Now, Wayne has written the introduction for today's text classic. We will be discussing Gerald Murnane's The Plains. Uh, Welcome, Wayne. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. Uh, Gerald Manane is an absolutely fantastic person to get into. But having read the planes, I really feel like I need someone to chat about it with, and I. I think you are going to be just that person. Now, normally we would have someone like David Winter here to give us an introduction to the author. Uh, and uh, regular listeners may recall we did discuss a lifetime on clouds last year, so Gerald Manane is familiar. But Wayne, perhaps you could give us an introduction to the Gerald Manane that you know from your reading and also from your correspondence with him. Yeah, well, um, I, I, it's um, quite some years since I first corresponded Gerald, and I mean, our correspondence has been very, very bits and bits, and you know, sometimes just a line or two. Um, but uh, since I since I wrote the the introduction to the planes in 2012, in the introduction I say that I had not I'd corresponded with Gerald and not yet met Gerald. I since have a few times, including interviewing him at an event here in Melbourne. Um, my general impression of Gerald is he is a charming gentleman, <laughs> and uh, and that also um, he loves a chat, which is kind of interesting. You know, we often think of uh, you know maybe writers like Gerald, who you know, generally speaking, in a simplistic sense, is put on the eccentric um, you know side of the writer scale. You know, 
Uh, like people like Samuel Beckett, of course, you know, was was um, famously very very silent and didn't like publicity. But Gerald really likes to have a chat. So, um, <clears throat> as someone has said to be said to me once about interviewing Gerald, you just need to wind him up and off he goes. He's a he's a great raconteur, storyteller, um, and a really lovely guy. Basically, that's the, well, that's the Gerald that I've met. Um, as a writer, I, I truly, truly believe he is one of the most important um, writers we've produced in this country. Uh, you know, that's a big call, but I, I sincerely believe it. And I've always been a huge admirer of his work, and particularly his craft. His his, um, his ability to shape sentences is is just second to none. Yeah, I think. Um... I think that assertion that you've just made there is is well backed up. I mean, in the years since you wrote your introduction and the text classics edition came out, uh, the New York Times has described Gerald as the greatest living English language writer that you've never heard of. His name's being discussed in relation to the Nobel Prize. Has anything changed for you in your reading of his work in those in those years, or? Is it is it still those first impressions that endure? Because I'm I'm coming fresh off my first impressions of the planes. Mm, no, I thought that New York Times uh, moment was incredibly interesting, and I did I did send a letter to Gerald and he responded after after that because I remember a long time back when we early when we corresponded, <clears throat> particularly talking about the planes because um, the planes of course come out in the states not long after it was um, released in the 80s, but um, uh, much to Gerald's chagrin the there was a single review over there that, that killed it, essentially, and um, it was a terrible review, and the book basically died in the States. So I think, um, and Jill shared this with me, and, and, you know, and he was very conscious about the fact that, um, you know, that he'd never be able to break it in the States. He, he of course, is a huge fan of um, Kerouac's and, and, and has, you know, imagined American planes as much as he's imagined Australian planes. Um so I think, yeah, so that, that recognition, I think, was pretty critical because it was coming from a major US, um, US newspaper. And, of course, it has changed the perception of him in the public eye, no, no question of it. But I guess, um, no, from my, I have to be honest, from my point of view, I had no problem calling him a genius since <laughs> I first um, read his work way back in the 80s. Uh, I, I totally think all of the... The recent hoo-ha about him is entirely justified, and I think it's a wonderful thing that he's still with us uh, in his 80s and that uh, he can um, kick back and enjoy all the praise. I think it's absolutely overdue, totally overdue. Mm. That is a fascinating thing to know about the American reception, or perhaps the lack of reception. I can see, having read The Plains, how a certain reading of it from an audience that's not Australian could be misunderstood, misinterpreted, take, they could read it in a certain way and think this book has nothing to say to me. But we are talking about the book without telling people about it. I, I think we should introduce The Plains because it is, it is, it's a fascinating novel. It, it opens on an unnamed narrator arriving on the plains with the intention of making a film that shows the plains as they have never been seen before. And across three sections, our narrator, we see him haunting a pub, talking with plainsmen about their world, on the property, uh, and most particularly in the library of his benefactor, a plains landowner, and finally, considering the success or failure of his work in progress some 20 years after it began. When I lay it out like that, it seems a curious story, and I don't think for a second I've captured what I found so gripping about the book. Do you do you have any any recollection of your first impressions of reading it? Because... 
I'm I'm still working through this, and you're 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 almost my therapist here, Wayne. <laughs> well, I think my first impressions, and they are actually still pretty clear to me. Uh, I suppose are two things. The first is simply the prose style. I had, I mean, you know, like Patrick White is is you know generally considered one of our great um, Australian writers, and I and I loved uh, I've always loved the prose of White and. Uh, and others, you know, as well, like Christina Steed and, um, and and others, like really. But but I just, I guess at that stage, especially, I was, I don't know, I was very much into the Europeans, and I suppose very much into the, if you like, European avant-garde, maybe, or, mm. or books that were not so much of the mainstream, but were stylistically braver. Um, but I, I just simply had not read an Australian book with a prose style anything like this. Not just its adventurousness, but also its polish it's incredible craft you know mm. um and i suppose the second thing was that nor had i yet read a book um in australia about the australia about whatever it is this is i don't know how even how to describe it the australian uh sort of experience of space uh, time uh, odd strange uh kind of things like that that are sort of hard to describe but definitely um I felt like I was I was reading a new vision of, of of potential literature in this country. I just you know so that was my that were my two distinct impressions that this was a this was a craft beyond anything I'd read from an Australian writer before, and and also that this was a kind of a, a vision or a placement of us, the reader, into a vision that of Australia that was completely new and completely fresh and very weird. <laughs> And uh, unexpected as well. Um, you know, you just don't forget the images. But uh, when you're in the planes, you they, they 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 do stay with you. I I think I'm going to latch on to the phrase you use. They're hard to describe because it it does help me with my my thought process that there is something there. There is something that I need to describe, but it is very difficult. One. Um, one analogy that I was trying to latch onto, uh, and I liked, I liked the way you said "weird" there because it very much marries with this. I was thinking of, uh, of of Twin Peaks for some strange reason. Now, the landscape of the plains is nothing like the landscape of David Lynch's Twin Peaks, but and and we we don't have the same weirdness that Lynch creates. But there is very much this sense that whilst everything may look very prosaic normal on the surface there are there are undercurrents that are of enormous import i think that's a really interesting observation because if my memory serves me those two things uh the the planes and twin peaks must have been around the same time or certainly something in the atmosphere that i remember because mm. i also was a complete devotee of twin peaks when it came out um and you're right that that, that um as lynch does with with his filmmaking, the name likewise does, likewise does with his prose, which is that he sort of ruffles the surface of, of reality and that something else kind of shimmers behind it and you see uh, you're invited into a different way of seeing, you know, what what we call, the, you know, the, rea- the reality that is, that is surface. Um, but that there is some other sort of arcane mystery underneath. And that's why I think the planes is so hard to describe, certainly in a, certainly hard to um, to give a simple synopsis of. And mm-hmm. the synopsis you gave before is perfectly right, but it doesn't really describe the experience of reading the book, mm-hmm. which is um, 
which is this sense of having some kind of uh, curtain drawn back uh, on reality and seeing some other mysterious reality behind that reality. And that's, uh, that's, and that's true of a lot of Gerald's work, um, but I think distilled partly because uh, of the shortness of the book and therefore the distillation uh, of the prose and the ideas that, that's really apparent in the planes that, that, that um, the other side or the reality inside reality is where Gerald, you know, is taking it, yeah. We might have to come back to Lynch because, of course, our, our protagonist is a filmmaker who who perhaps his grand project might be of, of Lynchian proportions if it ever gets made. But I want to I also now think of some of the things you just said there made me re- go back to my experience reading. And, of course, as someone who reads a lot, as someone who gets to, you know, come up and talk on the radio every week about reading, I like to think I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it. I think we can always improve. But as I started The Planes and as I worked my way through, I realized how sometimes a, a certain work can make you feel like a novice and then challenge you to relearn everything. And I want to just think about this idea of planes. The word is used an extraordinary number of times throughout the book. I, I didn't count, but... It's, it's, I feel like it's on every page. When I first dived into the opening section, I was very much caught in the literal sense of a landscape that might somewhere exist. And it's very much suggested that it could exist, that you couldn't locate it, that it could be all places at once. And then the many and varied planes of the, nar- the narrator's imaginings, they seem to me to become both a physical and a metaphysical expanse. And I, I had this sense that I had perhaps misread the entire opening section by by thinking too literally. Yeah, I, look, I think that's... Um, and that's exactly what Gerald does in so much of his work because so much of his work is about, as, as he, I, I, I think, would describe it, as sort of the images behind the eyes, you know, the, the images behind our eyes. And that is that, um, that, that initial... I mean, in some ways, the book starts in a kind of almost sort of standard... Um, um, lonely, you know, character arriving in a foreign or un, un, you know un, um, unexpected place. A little bit, a little bit wake in fright. Almost. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. fright in there, and there's probably you know that trope is, is is throughout the and and film of course as well, you know, which is ironic. But you know the you know the lone cowboy, you know, uh, riding into town, that sort of feeling. That's how the uh, the work starts. And yeah, at, at that point, of course, the planes are clearly um, not metaphorical, um, but real. And that is to say that there there are people called plainsmen uh, who live, you know, sort of out on the other side or away from the coast towards the interior. And similarly, as as the word planes is repeated, you'll note also that the word interior mm. <laughs> begins to get repeated as well. So initially, um, we. we we seem to be hovering in, you know, a slightly kind, slightly filmic landscape, perhaps, but still a landscape that has had its own reality, has its own rules, customs, speech patterns, and so on. But then, of course, by almost by because of the repetition and and the, and the hard looking, if you like, at that so-called reality, it, it, the planes themselves become something else, and they become, of course metaphorical and they and they lead us away from reality into imagination. I think that's what that's what Gerald 
does extraordinarily, not so much in a, a structured way with a short book like The Plains, but more, um, you know, in a much, I suppose, in a sense, richer and more complex way in his longer works. But he's always sort of taking us away from our initial impression of an image to the image behind the image. Um, and I think that's true of the, the word, The Plains, uh, yeah, in this book, yeah. I am... Um... I would never, I would never be so crass as to accuse someone of being postmodern, but I wondered about where Gerald is being is being knowing in the way that he challenges the reader. Because there was a, a line that I jotted down, and this is from very close to the end of the book, as you've, you've noted, Wayne. It's a, it's quite a short novel. I think it's at one hundred and seventy four pages, and so this is three quarters of the way to, and we have the plains described as simply a convenient source of metaphors for those who know that men invent their own meanings. And that that line floored me, and I, I had to go back and think, 141 pages, and this, this brilliant writer has simply just led me down a path and allowed me to create the story around it. Um, yeah. It was wonderful. And yeah, he's a very good man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true, you know. Um, and, and, and yeah, but look, I mean, of course, I'm sure Gerald would, would throw his hands up and despair at the word postmodern mm-hmm. because he, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, that that particular uh, ism, you know, I don't think mm-hmm. was even sort of in the culture, um, you know, strong enough for, for an Australian writer here to be thinking, um, you know, I'm a postmodern writer. I think um, I think that self-awareness comes with the territory, which is, mm-hmm. which is you know, mm-hmm. Renan is working in this kind of, um, what do you call it, investigative territory, the idea of not just... Um, describing surfaces but asking questions about what's beneath and what's beyond mm. so you know i mean all of that lends itself to what has since of course become um you know become the label postmodern that is a self-awareness you know uh, the the writer aware of, of writing and so on and, it's, and it, it is a thread through, through through gerald's work but i'm not sure he'd be comfortable with that mm. yeah that was that was why I felt uh, it's so necessary to kind of condition my even bringing that word into the conversation. <laughs> can, right, I, yeah. can I ask you? Can I ask you a little bit about um, the interweaving of humour and and satire with what I might call the philosophy of the novel? Because um, there are some really fascinating parts where I, I feel like. There's so much going on, but nothing ever happens in the planes. And this is particularly in the first section. And then there is the absolutely wonderful evocation of this ongoing tale in the planes, uh, the, the, the feud between the Horizonites and the Hairmen, which I don't think I could do justice to, but it felt like this, this incredible and amazing grand feud that really when we when you looked at the actions that were described was really only ever just a few brawls after um after a local polo match was all it ever amounted to but i i i wasn't absurd it's completely mad and wonderful Mm. you know i mean look your listeners just have to read it to get that Mm. particular mananian humor because it's it's i mean it's wonderful and it's part of the reason that i've always loved this work because there is absolutely a, 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 what we might call a serious uh, undercurrent to all of Gerald's work, but there is also this wild and sometimes completely insane uh, humour that comes out of sort of pitting one image or idea against another in a classic kind of, you know, almost comedy sense, really, mm. certainly comedy, but, um, you know, the way that these clashes of ideas like that, for example, 
um, and the way that it becomes so grandiose uh, and so important clearly has, you know, it's, it's writing with, um, with, with tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's um, you know, it's, and it's inviting the reader into it. And, and uh, that's really partly what I, what I love about the work. And you find these flashes like this through all of this work where, where suddenly you find yourself, you know, you're deeply engaged and then suddenly sm- stepping out and smiling and going, how did he just turn me around like that, you know? Um, and there, and, and in the plains, of course, I feel like there is a small undercurrent of that kind of smiling humour, you know, mm-hmm. where where the, the the writer is aware of where um, of where they're taking the reader, and uh, and they're happy also to you know shift the reader from seriousness to humour, you know, in a, in a quick flip of a sentence. Um, it's very skillful too, you know. Mm. I also um. I also found it incredibly humbling because in, in allowing us to sort of have a smile at this, this grandiose feud, I, I started to very subconsciously identify with the way those sort of currents play out in my life. You know, it might be as simple as, you know, the, the team you barrack for or, or believing, believing something about... Uh, mm. an art form perhaps you you know you feel a certain way about modernism versus postmodernism or a certain art school and and the way these these things play out in our own lives i realized is is no less ridiculous and results in no you know nothing more than a, a punch up at the polo match mm. well that's you know and that's the thing of course that's what that's what the work is doing i mean it's it, you know i mean i mean particularly in the plains it's this world building this alternate world mm. building that um Manane does so well and you know of course those worlds you know are, are bent but um but still reflect back to us you know our peculiar peculiarities and absurdities um you know in our in our own lives in, in our own you know problems and our, you know struggles and you know all these kinds of things i mean in other words you know fundamentally it's working as metaphor for our for us the reader to read our own way into it so yeah i I completely agree a lot of that stuff in his work is um you know is is, is grounded in real human experience essentially Mm. so what then are we are we to make of the narrator's project to create a film of the planes because it we have this real tension between the interior. The film is entitled "The Interior," and at the beginning of the book, it seems this tangible possibility, and it then just drifts further and further away from reality, and becomes. And there's a passage towards the book's conclusion where the whole project it seems to have uh, become this corpus of notes and writing. Um, and I, I felt like we were now talking about the the pursuit of art and the the role that art has in actually telling us anything and mm. I, I i wondered how much i i i should be looking at M- uh, gerald's own understanding of of his writing i don't know if he was ever a, a filmmaker himself but he he has some really interesting and and sometimes I, I felt harsh things to say about writing and writing's ability to capture uh but it was it was very interesting to sort of go through that that those passages yeah, I think, look, I think, go, to go back to that um, thorny postmodern thing, but I, I do think that that, those, that that particular story thread in the planes is self-referential. I mean, it's hard for me as a writer not to read it as a metaphor for writing, particularly for, for writing a novel. Mm. <laughs> um, 
where you do get you can get lost in the details, lost in the the forest of details, and can't find your way through. And um, you know the two step forward, one step back, and all of those things I can certainly relate to as a writer. And I do think that in that in that way, the filmmaker you know, in the plains is metaphoric for for perhaps. Um, Gerald's position and the other thing about the filmmaker I think is that <clears throat> Gerald himself has said in you know many interviews and and, and also his um also his essays um um for example in um I've just forgotten that the the lilacs title which is a which is a collection of essays mm-hmm. um you know has, has really clearly said that that looking seeing that the image for him is everything. But all he is ever doing really is trying to describe the images as they pass through um, his retina. So in a sense, you know, the filmmaking analogy for him, I would I would argue, and this is you know, right back in the 80s when this was uh, written and published, that that, that also is a true metaphor for, for, for the writer Gerald Manane, that he sees he sees things visually, and he says he says that many times in interviews and so on. That his reality is his image reality. He's trying as best he can uh, to describe the images. That that creates such a an interesting tension then with the the scenes. Well, the scenes. Um, there is a section mm. of the book where he the the narrator describes these bizarre trips uh, that the landowner puts together to create the scenes and he, yeah. he sort of poses people in this in this strange way um, which is, is very much uh, set against the narrator's own inability to capture images but uh, except in words that's right yeah 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 exactly so you know between the two if you like between the two media I think is where the narrator has kind of got lost he's um He's trying to work in a visual medium, but 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 the clutter of uh, you know image ideas, which actually is another term that Gerald often uses, the clutter of image ideas as opposed to simply images, um, is is getting the getting in the way of, of you know what would be otherwise a, a spooling um, spooling unraveling unfolding of images, which is what we consider when we think about a film, you know, or a screenplay for a film. Um, and I, you know that's it's in that, I think it's in that liminal space between um, being a writer who is most concerned with images and that thinks of ideas only in in an imagistic sense. Um, yeah, for sure. In that way, I suppose there has to be some autobiographical uh, element to the plays. We have described this book in so many ways brilliant uh i've made a only to be judged by others um comparison with twin peaks it is the plains by by gerald manane and i have been joined by wayne mccauley to discuss it in the australian classics book club uh wayne as we say goodbye i think you you said it best earlier i think the the only way is for people to get out and read the plains this is this is truly a fascinating magnificent book absolutely you know you 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 may you may love it you may not like it, um, but I, I think it is a, a, an Australian classic, and I think it's an Australian classic that is worthy of any sort of serious reader's attention. So absolutely, I would encourage anyone to go out and have, have a try. Yeah. That's it for this great conversation in the Australian Classics Book Club. 
I want to thank Wayne McCauley for joining me to discuss Gerald Manane's The Plains. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. To keep up with the latest in books, writing and literary culture, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, why not hit subscribe? It means you'll get a new episode every week. My name is Andrew Popel. I'll be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading.